Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream and you Hi can folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing times, the changing world, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, as almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, from my 2006.5 Jetta Diesel TDI, also known as my personal mobile studio. And uh, I have an interesting show for you today. You guys liked my intro yesterday, where I talked about the Ass Clown. The best and worst of the ass clown. If you haven't heard yesterday's show, the ass clown yesterday was Barack Obama. If that bugs you in the past, just know the ass clown in the past was George W. Bush. All right. So we're not going to talk about that ass clown today. I'm going to talk about a few things that are going on out there in our world today in the intro segment. And I was going to be one, and then they just keep piling up. And they're pissing me off, so I'm going to vent to you. Then we'll do our housekeeping, then we'll get into the topic of today's show. Now, the topic of today's show are going to be commonly available items in the supermarket that we eat every day that make good storage items. I have a list of 20 different things, and it's a bonus because some things are on there with additional stuff. So it's like this and this and this as one item. So I'm going to give you a way, very inexpensively, to start stocking your pantry for that first 30 to 60 days of reserve today with a bunch of items that some You'll go, ah, I don't like that. Well, don't buy that one. Buy the stuff you like. But before that, let's get into our house or our, our intro. I threw my timing off because I've changed this up on you guys' suggestions. Okay, first thing in the intro segment today the economy. Um, Barack Obama actually, on paper, right now, seems to be opposed to this, and i got to agree with him, and this is not about Obama, this is about the Fed. The Fed is apparently, and i got to deal with the jackass people, I'm sorry, you are an asshole! Oh, what? You know, you're in a lane that's an exit only, and now the guy wants in a lane I was getting out of. Here you go, stickhead! Jesus! Oh, I don't know what a stick... Oh, now he gets back in front of me. What an ass clown. Anyway. Okay, so... Sorry about the auto rant so early in the segment. But the Fed is thinking about another bailout. Plan C is what they're calling it. Okay, what is Plan C? Now, we know we gave the American people, supposedly, through government spending, by spending our own money, $700 billion. Oh, this little one. <laughs> oh, you're going to love this. Three trillion freaking dollars they want to dump into our economy. Three trillion more dollars. And where do they want to put it? To prop up commercial real estate. Because apparently Gerald Swente was right, which really wasn't uh, a big stretch for him to say that commercial Commercial real estate was going to fall on its ass very, very soon. Now, the reason that you could make a prediction like that accurately, nothing against Mr. Salente, but this is not fortune-telling here. Every time there's a recession, if it doesn't recover in 12 to 18 months, it's usually about 12 to 18 months into it that commercial real estate falls down. That's why it's historically been a safer investment, because it could weather short-term downturns and short-term recessions better than residential real estate and everything else in the economy. It's a lagging indicator on the downturn, okay, where 
unemployment is a lagging indicator on an upturn. In other words, as the economy improves, it'll still take a long time for unemployment to get better. That's, that's called a lagging indicator. Well, when you're going into an economic recession, the lagging indicators occur in commercial real estate segment. So it's apparently in deep shit, going to fall its ass. So Bernanke and his buddies want to dump $3 trillion in that segment to prop it up. You know, sort of like we dump billions into the auto industries to prop them up. Because, see, that worked really good because, oh, wait, they went bankrupt. Why did the auto industries go bankrupt? Because nobody's buying cars. Why is the commercial real estate sector in trouble? They're blaming it on loans. They, they had great terms, and now they're having to refinance, and oh my God, because they have to refinance, they can't get the same terms. That's not why they're in trouble. They're in trouble because the people leasing the space are business people, and their businesses are in decline, and they can't make their payments. So since they can't make the lease payments, the property owner can't make the mortgage payment. So going there and propping the sector up is slowing down the inevitable, just like GM and Chrysler going bankrupt was inevitable. But don't worry about it. It's your kid's money. It'll be okay. We'll just borrow it from China. I'm sure they'll give us another three trillion. Oh, wait. They probably won't. We'll just probably have to buy our own debt and print it. More fake money. So that's that's one on the intro. So I'll post some links to some articles about this, including one that's kind of a Mylar hat, high-tech Mylar hat article instead of a foil hat article. According to the guy that sent me the email, and uh, I didn't really read that one, but the other two I read, they're quite compelling. And uh, let's see. What's my other one today? Susie Orman. Oh, God, I was on my way out of the house. I just about got out of the house with my notes and ready to do the show. And this pinhead, this useful idiot, that's what she's, she's a useful idiot. Because she's useful to all these network types that bring her on like she knows what she's talking about. Was going, I think right now what you need to do is put all your money in municipal bonds when the caveat, some municipalities are in trouble, so, you know, be careful. That's about a non-distinct advice, isn't it? You know, how about this, Susie? How about you say, don't buy any municipal bonds in the state of California because they're bankrupt. Maybe I would respect you. Okay, I understand you can't do that. But let's be a little bit more specific if you're going to say, some municipalities are having a lot of trouble. Say, look, this is what you look for in a municipal bond if you're going to invest. Look for a municipality that's debt is less than X percent of its GDP. Give a specific. No, what you do is you make this nondescript shit, and then later if anybody calls you on it, you just look back and you cherry pick some bonds that did okay, and you say, well, this is where my money was, and you lie. Or you're a useful idiot like Susie, and you don't really know what you're talking about, and your handlers tell you what to say, that's more what's going on. My point is, don't listen to these people. This moron was on TV in 2007, 2008, more times, more times than, than you can count. Let's just put it that way. I mean, she's on constantly. Every freaking talk show, Oprah brings her on, loves her. Oh, she's so great. For two years, the economy is getting flushed down the toilet. Not once. Did I see anything where this idiot told people, hey, you know what, the stock market is going to tumble. She said, it's a stated course, it's a long-term investment with your 401k. Y'all put your money out of the market. And then half of your income's gone. Half of your net worth is gone. And now her advice is, we'll go into one and three-year municipal bonds. Don't listen to these people. Don't listen to Jim Cramer. Don't listen to Susie o. Don't listen to any of these people other than for a mild form of entertainment or outrage. Next thing in the uh, house, or the, the intro segment. Tuesday when I lost my buddy Lakota, 
as we were waiting for our time to go to the vet with him, a segment came on NBC, the morning show, and it was about people storing food because they're afraid of economic disaster. Uh, I didn't say anything because it really ticked me off, this, this snooty attitude that these people in the studio have toward people like this. And I, and I just wasn't in the mood to snap out, but now I'm in the mood to snap out. I feel a little bit better. And here's why, somebody sent me an email this morning about this, and this is why it got thrown in today. He said, I think they did a pretty fair job of painting us as rational and normal. I don't think they did. I don't know what you watched, buddy, but it's not what I saw. What I saw was survivalists, modern urban survivalists, are one-dimensional people. All they do is store food. They don't do anything else but that. They store massive amounts of food in the basement, two years' worth. And the only thing they're worried about is the economy collapsing. And, you know... Most of them are kind of still left around from Y2K. That's what I got out of seven. You watch the video for yourself and tell me what you think. Now, here's my two bigger issues. One, the link the guy sent me wasn't to the NBC, MSNBC site. It was to a guy's blog. And all the commenters on this blog, you people are freaking idiots. I'm so sick of you. I, I, folks. This is what these people are saying in these blog comments. He's not a real survivalist. A real survivalist wouldn't tell anybody. Okay, so I'm not a real survivalist. I tell people every day because I care about people. Now all his neighbors are going to come kill him when this shit hits the fan and steal his food. And right, and you know who these people are. These people are cowards. And they're the cowards that are in the forums with signature files with quotes from great men like Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. Men that were willing to risk everything for their fellow men. Quotes like those who deserve liberty, who those who prefer liberty to safety deserve neither. That that person will have that quote in his signature and he'll hide who he is. I am so sick of people like that. I really am. And I'll tell you what, the guys that were featured in this story, I think they were angled wrong, but I think they were trying to help other people by saying, look, we're normal people just like you. We just understand things go wrong. But I think the network painted them. And folks, this is the segment I turned down. The producer of this segment contacted me. And when I heard him say, well, I have this one family and they had a huge pantry and we filled it. I got what I needed from them. I went, yep, we're done. Because you don't want reality. And I think the problem is with mainstream media, they will never like our message here. Because our message here is too real. There's no sensationalism here. There's absolute reality here. Common sense. And it makes people concerned for themselves. And it makes them willing to take action. It's very hard to actually listen to the compelling cases we make here. And not think, yeah, maybe I need to do something about it. So uh, that'll wrap that up today. It's as much snapping out as I got in me. Uh, let's go on to some housekeeping. Uh, number one, advertiser of the day, ready-made resources. Check those guys out. Uh, they are finishing up, I think, today a sale on Mountain House. You may have some ideas for what you want to purchase from Mountain House at the end of today's show. Consider checking those guys out. Remember, our advertisers are personal endorsements by me. I do not take an advertiser just because he'll pay a fee to be on the site. Number Number two, consider joining our forum. Great group of people. You'll learn a lot. Number three, if you think this show's worth more than 20 to 25 cents an episode to you, consider joining the member support brigade for a monthly contribution of $5 or an annual contribution of $50, and you'll get exclusive content available only to members, along with over $60 worth of retail value freebies in your membership area. So first year, your membership more than pays for itself. Um, next, Shannon 
Appleby's having a get-together in Region 6. Show notes. There will be a link to his forum post about it, and you can learn more. Get in touch with him. Region 6 is up in the Iowa area. That's where the get-together is going to be. You can come there from anywhere, but that's where it's going to be. Um, next, last piece of housekeeping. Tomorrow. It's like noon, I think, or 1 o'clock. I don't know. I'll post a link, and you can see today the schedule. I will be on a show with James Talmadge Stevens, one of the icons of the prepper movement from the 70s all the way through the 90s. He's kind of making a comeback, re-releasing his book, Making the Best of Basics. The originals sold over three-quarters of a million copies. I will be his guest on his show, his Saturday afternoon show on Blog Talk Radio. Please tune in and listen. There will be an archive available if you can't listen live. But if you do have some time to listen live tomorrow, consider listening live and calling in because we will be able to take call-ins. He says you don't get a lot of call-ins, but hey, I'd love to hear from you. So that knocks out uh, the, uh, the housekeeping today. And we'll see if you guys continue to enjoy that format. And let me know if you like hearing about current events, the economy, the ass clowns, whatever. As a little intro primer to get you pumped up. Then we'll do our housekeeping. Then we go on to the main segment. Let me know if you like that. If you like it, I'll continue it. If enough people don't like it, we'll go back to the other way. I try to serve my audience. And that means, folks, when you send me a recommendation and I don't follow it, it simply means that more people want something different than you. And I have to, to serve the majority as best I can as your host. All right. So today's subject, things that you can store that don't cost a lot of money, that you'll eat every day, that will let you follow the mantra, eat what you store and store what you eat. And I'm going to probably do a show next week that takes that to the second level. It's something I read in uh, James's, James Stevens' book, which is grow what you eat and eat what you grow. We'll talk about that next. But today, we're going to talk about going down to good old supermarket. We're going to talk about not having to invest thousands of dollars in freeze-dried food. Oh, hold on. Uh, this was the one. This was the one that made me so sickened by that segment on NBC. Watch the whole segment. What really makes me pissed with the way they talked about these people, this, you know, America is storing for economic recession, um, the guy says, oh, they wanted us to have a, a taste test, and they gave us some freeze-dried poppy cake or something like that. Okay, folks, it's not freeze-dried. First of all, if you're going to talk about a subject, get it right. This was one of these little cakes that come like in an MRE. Now, let's be honest. They're not the greatest tasting thing in the world, but they're not freeze-dried. They're sealed, but they are actually rather moist. Watch the bimbo. Watch the bimbo sticking your mouth and go, Oh my God, it's sucking all the moisture out of my mouth. You mealy mouth, little snot. I want, I'm telling you, be careful if you're willing to talk to media that you're talking to the right kind of media. You want to see somebody did a good job, Google Melody McDonald Survivalist and read the article that Melody wrote that I was featured in. There you'll see responsible media coverage of what we do. Anyway, let's go on to these items that you can uh, get at your local supermarket. And I'm going to tell you something. I went through my pantry and my storage bins today. Every single item I'm going to give you is in my house right now. And it's part of our diet. Some of them are very regular parts of our diet. Some of them are, you know, a little here and a little there because they're not the most nutritional things. But one day here, one day there, making that part of a meal is okay. But, hey, if we had to survive, having a fairly large quantity of it, you know, hey, it'll keep you alive. So keep that in mind as we go through it. Number one, and this is so obvious, but I think so many people overlook this, is soups. 
Soups store well over a year. And there's such a variety of soups. I guarantee you, you can find soups that anybody in your household will eat. You can't say the same about dried beans. Uh, I had a real hard time winning my wife over to eating beans. Just not a bean person. String beans, fine. Dry beans, no dice, right? So the thing about soups is you can always find something that your kids will like, that your spouse will like, that friends and relatives will like. You know what? Try something crazy. Try something crazy. Make yourself a half of a sandwich and eat a can of soup once a week for lunch instead of going out and buying lunch somewhere. I know it sounds nuts, but uh, it's very affordable to eat that way, and it'll give you enough use to keep a good one to one and a half year rotation of your soups, even if only one person does it and soups aren't a regular part of everybody's diet. It will allow that to happen. Now, if you just feed the kids soup once in a while, have soup for lunch once in a while, it'll get even easier. And uh, it's one of the best recommendations for a foundational ingredient in your pantry that I can suggest. And there's a lot of great soups out there. Go out and try some variety. All right, I, you know you don't have to always be tr- talking about rubbing two sticks together trying to make a flame here. Let's be honest. Let's be real. We want to be able to have food in the house if something happens to us at an individual level or at a community level or at a regional level that pr- cuts us off financially or logistically from food. Soup does that. Uh, next one. Canned meats, but specifically canned chicken and turkey. Canned beef, too. There's there's a place for canned beef. And I'm talking about not, you know, there's actually some pretty good stuff that Mountain House puts out with canned beef that's dehydrated. You have to rehydrate and cook. and It it, it stores a long time. And it's some pretty good stuff. You can do a lot with it. Uh, I really like the sausage crumbles, in, in fact. But when you go to the store and you get canned beef, it's not... My favorite thing, I'll be honest with you, but the canned turkey and chicken, uh, really, really solid uh, performer for cooking with. Uh, make some chicken enchiladas. Get yourself some uh, corn tortillas, some cheese. Make your own or buy some enchilada sauce. Get canned chicken. Put it out on a cutting board. Take two forks and shred it. And use that as the filler meat for your enchiladas. You'll see right there that it's a great staple ingredient for a good recipe. But it's a high-protein source if you are in a shit-hit-the-fan. And at least you've got a good supply of protein. Because protein is one of the hardest things to store well. Uh, On the canned chicken, the canned beef, you can also look at your canned fish going in that category. Sardines, salmons, things like that. Uh, Just a variety. And the thing is, you don't have like 20 cans of canned chicken. A couple cans of canned chicken couple cans of canned turkey, all right, couple cans of uh, fish. Start to build it slow and use these things. Eat them, taste them, incorporate them into your diet. When you don't like one, don't buy more of it. When you do like one, buy more of that. Really simple, and eventually you just start to create a rotation, and it's really easy to get up to 30 days, folks. It's much easier than you think. It might take you four to five months, you dumbass. What is wrong with you? Jesus, this guy just pulls out in front of me, off the shoulder, and he's doing like two and a half miles an hour. Oh, this is, uh, he's an illegal alien, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. He's got no license plate. He's a Mexican guy. uh, Window busted out of car. He probably stole it. Whatever. All right. 
packed. Uh, this is going to be an interesting day, folks. Um, the next one on the list, and you can actually incorporate some of your canned meats into this. Um, I was saying tuna as well and stuff like that. Are your pastas. And everything that you think of that goes with pasta, even if you use it for something else. So your pastas, your sauces, tomatoes, canned tomatoes, tomato paste, uh, things like rotel. Uh, a lot of those things you may never actually use in the pasta, but I kind of put them there in that line item because they're all kind of in the same place in the store. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a person in Texas that's never taken a, a big old chunk of Velveeta, diced it up, and threw it in his crock pot, threw it on low, and dumped a can of Rotel tomato uh, mix in there. I think everybody in Texas, from the north, you may have never tried it. Try that. Eat it with some tortilla chips. You don't need to go to the restaurant to get good queso. It is as simple as that. A few fresh chopped jalapenos added in there, and you really got something. A little bit of cilantro and ground beef, and now you're really uh, making something special. But see, the, 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 the primary ingredients into that are all things that will store. So that may not be necessarily what you're eating if you're rationing your food during a problem, but it's what you're eating today out of that storage capacity. Remember to think about, you don't have to necessarily limit yourself in the ingredients that you use to prepare stuff with these things. You may have to go without some of those ingredients long term. But today, for storage purposes, you put whatever you need to make it to what you want it. All right. Um, the next one is packaged rice and noodle mixes, like the pre-done Lipton's and, and different varieties like that. It'd be like Alfredo noodles or Spanish rice or uh, Mahatma has some pretty good uh, red red beans and rice and a little uh, foil pack. I actually really like those. Um, there's saffron mix from Mahatma that's not really that good, but these are just some, uh, it, it, not to me anyway. I, I never thought it measured up, but the red beans and rice they have is, is pretty good. Now, this is the one that I'm saying that we use these as part of our diet. We have them in our home. We have them in our pantry. They're part of our storage. But we don't eat them a lot. We might eat an item like that once every two weeks as a side dish with a dinner. Why? They're not that healthy for you because of all the crap that goes in there. And and the same to a degree can be said for soups. But soups are really, in in most instances, pretty much all right with additives. They're they're, they're a pretty solid performer. Um, But the packaged mixes, yeah, there's a lot of crap in there that would be better off not in your body. But, hey, if I worried about what shouldn't go in my body, I wouldn't leave the house and breathe the air. Uh, so just don't make that like an everyday thing. But long-term, when you're looking at survival, they're a great long-term storable. Uh, they taste good. Kids will usually eat them. So consider making that part of what you're doing. Uh, multiple rice varieties. Uh, don't just go out and buy a big, giant bag of jasmine rice. Jasmine rice is some good stuff. But if you get into a situation where you're eating the same thing every day, any little bit of variety helps. And it's not the right rice to use with every meal. So make sure that you're purchasing multiple varieties of rice in, in, in different quantities based on how often you use them. Um, if you use brown rice more than ri- white rice, use buy more brown. If you use white more than brown, buy more white. If you like wild rice more than anything else, buy more wild. If you like a multi-blend, you know, whatever it is that you use the most, make that the cornerstone, but then have these other varieties. Now, i got to throw this in there because I think one of the big reasons that Americans in this day and age don't buy rice just plain old rice and cook it, is Americans tend to have a hard time figuring out how to cook rice where it doesn't come out all sticky and nasty. I'll tell you the way I cook rice, and you probably, unless you've heard me say it, I've never seen anybody do this. I learned it from my business partner, who's a, who's a great cook, and um, it's pretty simple. You, uh, 
Put a bunch of water in the pot, not the amount the rice tells you to. Like, and you treat the rice like it's pasta. You get the water boiling, you dump your rice in, and you boil your rice, and you test it with a fork and taste it when it is tender uh, as the way you would want it when you eat it. So you taste it to determine when it's done. Once that's done, dump your rice, water and all, into a colander. And now i got a guy running up my ass. What is this? Is this Friday the 13th instead of the 24th or 25th or whatever? What a day! You jerk! Ugh! I, folks, if this is your first show, I usually have one auto rant every other day or maybe every three days. Not three in one day. The stars are crossed today. Anyway, take that rice, put it into a colander, and drain the water out of it. And then run fresh water from your faucet over it and rinse all the starch off it. Yes, it'll make it cold. When you're ready to eat it, heat it up in a microwave. It'll take a couple seconds. Now, should it fan, you might have a microwave one, and I understand that. But, again, we're talking about living day-to-day and keeping your storables available to you. You worry about that when you get in that situation, and you can't use a microwave to heat up your rice. It'll probably still taste better cold. If you do it that way, it's sticky. All right, now there are rice cookers you can get and all that'll do a pretty good job and all. But just quickly making some rice for dinner, throw it, boil it, treat it like pasta. You'll be surprised. You'll enjoy it. Um, peanut butter and jelly. I ain't got to say nothing about peanut butter and jelly. We've all eaten it. We've all had it in our lives. Kids like it. Goes really good with a cold glass of milk. Right? I'll tell you what, I will say something about peanut butter and jelly. To remind yourself of a simpler time when you were pleased by simpler things. Sometime this weekend, take a couple pieces of bread, toast it golden brown, put some peanut butter on one, some jelly on the other, and mash it together. Sit down with a glass of cold milk and eat it. And just remember what it was like when you were pleased by something that simple. I think it'll help you center. And uh, we all need to take that break once in a while. I might need a break like that today along with a good shot of whiskey after the way these people are driving. Uh, next is, I really think that it makes sense, and this is the one thing you won't find usually in a supermarket, um, to get a good grinder and start storing some wheat. And start making ground and cracked wheat part of your diet. Uh, go slow with this at first. Um, it is a dietary adjustment. When you start eating whole wheat and you haven't been accustomed to it, it is not the same as going out and buying a loaf of nature's own bread. When you start to eat real whole wheat. Go out and buy a, a, a loaf of whole wheat bread. And look at, again, look at the ingredients and see how much white flour is part of the makeup of the whole wheat bread you buy from a store. And you'll see that it's over half white flour. Now, I was reading James's book last night a little bit. He was talking about how useless white flour is. He said, if you want it, fine, go ahead and store it. But he said, try this experiment. I'm going to try and see if he's right. I'm, no reason to doubt him. He says, if you, put, you find a line of ants that are busy you know, marching back and forth, which I thought was cool because you know how I feel about ants, and, uh, and they're heading back and forth um, to their nest hauling food, and you put a line of white flour across their path, they'll kind of freak out until they find their way around and leave a chemtrail. And then the ants will just go around the white flower and completely ignore it. They don't see it as food. If you then put down a little pile of wheat flour, they will gather up and consume it with undue prejudice. Uh, so the ants are more intelligent than we are, I guess. 
So consider, and don't go out and buy 100 pounds of wheat before you determine if you like it or not. Consider going out, go to a health food store, get them to grind up some for you, try a few recipes, see if you can figure out how to make it fit, and then consider getting your own grinder and start storing some wheat. Wheat has no, if kept dry and clean and pest-free, no theoretical storage limits. It should outlast human beings. And it is highly nutritious. So that means you can store an awful lot of it, use an awful little bit of it, but have the insurance that goes along with it, and slowly accustom yourself to making it part of your diet. And it is very, very nutritious for you. The problems that we have from wheat-based products in this country today are from all that white flour. They're not from the wheat itself. It's we humans have to alter things. If you have wheat allergies, consider other uh, grains like Kiona, um, amaranth, and other different things that are uh, non-wheat in uh, in, uh, in, in, in substance. Um, next thing, consider make sure you store uh, oils, sugar, and honey. I'll put those three together. But oil, sugar, and honey um, are great storage items. Sugar is highly nutrient-dense. It can be used to make a lot of things that kids won't eat a little bit more palatable. You'd be surprised a lot of times. Like, you're trying to get a kid to eat some peas and carrots. And they're like, I don't like them. You know what? They're kids. They can handle it. Sprinkle a half a teaspoon of sugar into the peas and carrots right at the end of cooking it and let it sit for a second and let them suck that sugar up and sweeten it a little bit. They'll eat it. And once you get them eating it, you can always start to wane it back out. There's a lot of things you can do with sugar like that. Um, It's also a component in bread. You usually use a little bit of sugar when you make bread. Um, Honey stores, again, kept the right way theoretically indefinitely. Doesn't spoil without any refrigeration. Uh, Again, it's very nutrient dense, good sweetener, a lot better for you than white sugar. A lot better. Um, Next thing, I I can't leave out dried beans. Even if you're just going out, you know the section in the supermarket with all the one and two pound little bags, and you're slowly over time accumulating a variety of those, do that and start experimenting with them. And you may have people in the household like my wife that just can't accept it and just no matter what I do with them, I don't like that. Not even really open-mindedly tasting them in my opinion. Boy, she's going to listen to this show and hate me. Um, but that's just how it is with her. But, you know, we still make that part of um, what we, we store. I enjoy eating various varieties of beans. I make a lot of soups out of them and things like that. Uh, if I use a small amount of soup, she can eat the soup and not eat the beans. And uh, that helps us keep rotation. I figure if she's hungry and we're really in it hard, um, those beans will start to taste a little bit better. Uh, dried potatoes are another great item. Make sure that you're making that part of uh, your, your staples. Store very well. Easy to store. Quick, fast to prepare. Uh, most varieties taste really good. Um, the, there's these little packets of these ones that are something reds. Idaho reds or something like that. I really like those. And they're almost impossible uh, to, to tell that they're made from instant unless somebody tells you they're made from instant. They're, they're really good. Uh, dry milk. I've had some questions lately about dried milk. How do you store it? You buy it and you store it. It's, it, it's designed to store. Um, what I've learned with dry milk, though, that will make it taste quite a bit better is if you mix it up the night before and let it sit in the refrigerator overnight, especially if you're just going to drink it straight up instead of using it as an ingredient or for cereal or something like that. Uh, it seems to taste better, and I prefer to, when you mix dry milk, mix it up with uh, glass in a glass bottle. 
So, again, I'm not saying to go out and buy 100 pounds of this stuff. I'm just saying, you know, get a few containers of dry milk. And if nothing else, right, this is one thing we learned about dry milk. I hate non-dairy creamer. I think it tastes like crap in coffee. Um, so if you happen to run out of, you know, your regular milk, because you haven't been to the grocery store in a while because you don't really need to go to the grocery store that often like most Americans because you actually do store food, um, you can run out of milk. And then you get up and you look at your coffee and you go, I don't really want black coffee. Well, dried dairy creamer is good. You can uh, mix up a little bit of powdered milk and you get... Uh, you you know, I can drink dried milk. I don't care whose dried milk it is. I know it's not fresh. It doesn't taste the same. But in coffee, you'll never know the difference. So at least you have it for that use, even if you don't use it often. And it's a great thing whenever you need to cook. Here's here's how you rotate your milk through if you don't drink the dried milk as part of your regular diet. Whenever you're cooking something or baking something, it says add one cup of milk. Mix up a cup of dried milk. Use it for your cooking. It works wonderfully for that. In fact, in many instances, it works better. So consider that. Um, salt, big one that gets left out. We used to pay armies and soldiers in salt as a currency at one time in the history of the world. Salt is absolutely invaluable. It gives taste and flavor to foods that otherwise are very bland. It can be used for preserving. It has uh, antibacterial properties. Store at least five pounds of salt in your home. Salt, a pound of salt is like 69 cents or something like that. Um, having some rock salt or other varieties of salt, kosher salt, um, pickling salt, things like that, probably a good idea as well. But if nothing else, go out and buy yourself five pounds of salt. It'll cost you about four bucks. And whenever you use one up, pull them to the front of your cupboard and buy another one the next time you go to the grocery store. Keep that there as a minimum. I'll give you a quantity on that. Bisquick is another item. I think a lot of people store Bisquick and other pancake mix. Um, it's a great one to store. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with it. Be creative and learn how to use it to cook things beyond a pancake. Uh, get some, get a good recipe book. Like a, there's plenty of recipe books out there on Bisquick cooking. Learn to do different things with it. It's again one of those things that's not the most nutritious. A lot of enriched white flour in there. But, you know, if you have chicken and dumplings once a month... No harm, no foul. If you make biscuits once a month with it, and if you make pancakes for breakfast, you know, once every two weeks with it, you'll rotate it through. It's there in case you need it, and it ain't going to harm you as long as you live an active, healthy lifestyle. Um, next one, bullion. Uh, bullion's a good cooking ingredient. can make up a little thing of broth once in a while with it. It uh, has many uses, and there is a product out there called Better Than Bullion. It comes in a jar, a little squat jar. It's much superior to bullion click cubes as the name would imply. They have a ham version and that ham version with a link, you know, a one roll of sausage and some dried beans makes an awesome, awesome uh, beans and sausage or bean and sausage soup, depending on how thick or thin you want to make it. Better than bullion, folks. Trust me on that one. Cornbread meal or cornbread mix, either one. Um, you can either store you know, flour separate. You can buy a pre uh, pre made cornbread mix. Um, Marie Calendar has a mix. You can get in five pound sacks, and they are light sealed. Um, you know, they're like a mylar sealed package at Sam's. I think it's like six dollars and fifty cents for a five pound pack of Marie Calendar.
there's cornbread mix, and that's at Costco. And uh, really, I really like that. Uh, I make cornbread and cornbread muffins off it in my solar oven with that stuff. And all you do is add water, mix it up, and cook it. And it always comes out perfect. And if you want to make it really cool, chop some jalapenos up and a little bit of corn, mix that in, and cook that into your cornbread. It makes a really awesome Mexican cornbread. A few red uh, red sweet peppers chopped into that will really uh, bring it up a level as well. Next thing, nuts. Cashews, peanuts, almonds, I don't care. Multiple varieties, multiple flavors, multiple things on them. Freeze, uh, uh, you know, the dried nuts, the uh, flavored, uh, raw, whatever. Consider having a huge variety of nuts available in your home. Again, Costco is a good source. They have these big, giant ones that will save you a lot of money. Uh, but the only thing I don't know about them is they are uh, clear, so light hits them. But we don't seem to have much problem with them being stored. You can always put them into a bin and keep the light to a minimum. And uh, really, I think nuts are one of the overlooked things for the survivalist pantry. Nutrient-dense, good fat content, and it's a good quality fat that you need in your diet. Uh, very long storage. Most people have some different variety of nut that they like. A lot of people with peanut allergies out there. Most people with peanut allergies are not allergic to other nuts. Always check the label. Many nuts are processed with peanuts, and people with peanut allergies should not eat those. So make sure it's peanut-free. If you have that allergy, you probably already know that. just want to tell you that because there are people um, out there that may put nuts in front of people, and they may, you may ask you that question. Don't just say, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Make sure you know peanut allergies kill people, folks. Uh, but nuts, good item for the pantry. Crackers. Again, go with variety here. Don't buy 20 boxes of Toll House crackers. Uh, what are they? Toll House? The, the, what are the ones we like? The round ones? Keebler crackers. Uh, they're not Toll House. Those are cookies. Um, they're round and buttery. I can't think of what they're calling. Oh, those things are great. Uh, but don't buy 20 boxes of those. Buy three or four boxes of different cracker varieties. People come over, pull a chunk of cheese out of the refrigerator, pull out three or four different cracker varieties, put them on a plate, slice up two or three variety cheeses, feed it to your guests. That'll help you rotate the cheese as a protein source and the crackers as a wheat source. Crackers sealed in their packaging store very long. One year, no problem. I don't care what the expiration date says on some of them. I've opened up. Now, once you open them, okay, then you got to eat them in a reasonable amount of time, because they do start to deteriorate after that. But sealed up, I've seen saltine crackers that were five years old, they tasted as fresh as the day they were made. Saltines were what I think everybody thought they were going to live on if there was a nuclear war. That's kind of laughable, but um, every house in America in the 60s and 70s had a couple boxes of saltine crackers they were going to hide in their basement and eat if the bombs dropped. But crackers, good item to add. Um, I talked about dried potato earlier, canned potatoes. Canned potatoes are great. Um, there's so many things you can do with them. Take them, cut them up, or leave them whole if they're new, want potatoes or whatever, and just, just warm them in a little bit of butter and salt, uh, maybe to the point where they start to brown just a little bit, and serve them as a side dish. Absolutely phenomenal. Chopped up, thrown into an omelet. You can throw them in. You don't have to worry about cooking the potatoes first because they're already nice and soft and cooked when they've been canned. So you just brown them in a little bit of oil or butter and then put, make them part of an omelet, like omelet uh, made with potatoes, sausage, and peppers. Absolutely great. Really good stuff into a tortilla for a breakfast burrito. So, again, long-term storage item, but, again, 
day-to-day living very, very useful. Um, jarred gravy is another one I think that we overlook. Jarred or canned gravy. Um, it's relatively high calorie. So you want to use it in moderation in your daily diet, but that nutrient density, caloric density, is valuable, uh, and it'll make things a lot more palatable. Um, you really want to sit down and eat a pile of biscuits, just biscuits, because you're rationing your food. Throw a little bit of gravy on there, may taste a little bit better. Take some canned chicken or turkey, some canned gravy, make yourself up some biscuit biscuits, dump that on there and eat that. Now, I would eat that often. That's going to put, that's going to put meat on your bones, right? But once in a while, hey, it's comfort food, and if the shit has hit the fan, you're looking for caloric density. Okay? And then the last one is, come on, folks, box cereal. Remember when you were kids, Cheerios, what have you? Cereals store very well. Again, I wouldn't eat cereal every day. Now, there are some much more healthy cereals. I kind of like the Kashi stuff, uh, Great Nuts. Those things are pretty good for you. They don't have a lot of additives and stuff, and uh, you can make that part of it, too. Kids aren't usually real happy to eat that stuff, though, so you bring in some Fruit Loops or whatever. Whatever your kids eat. Just don't eat it every day in normal times and have a couple extra boxes of it, and as you pull the front box out and it's empty, and you pull the next box up, replace it even with a different variety. Keep a certain amount on hand. If you take these items I gave you today, storing enough food for 30 days is not only doable, it's actually pretty affordable. And you may run out of space, so get yourself a couple Rubbermaid bins and know where those things are. Keep them in different parts of your house. Maybe put one bin in in the floor of your kid's closet, one bin in the, in the floor of your master bedroom closet and then the rest of the food in your pantry. That way if something happens to your house, your food's not all in one location. You know, I've had people that, that from the media that have wanted to come and like fill my big pile of food and I'm like, I don't have a big pile of food. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, all my food is spread out. I don't put it all in one place. If I lose half of my house in a tornado, I still have half of my food. Now I can lose the whole house and lose all the food, yes. But you play the odds, you play the averages. So, hopefully this has been a good show for you. Hopefully this made you think, and it's made you realize that you don't have to, you know, spend huge amounts of money to store up a reasonable amount of food, and you don't have to store up things that you're only going to eat if times get tough. I talk to radio personalized. They always say, what about spam? Do you like spam? No. Then don't store it. Do you like spam? Yes. Then store it. It's that simple. Yes, it stores long term. So, now, I said this might give you some ideas for Mountain House or providing pantry or any of these other long-term storage items. The biggest hole in that portfolio of food I just gave you is fresh meat. And, yeah, you can store some canned meat and all, but it's limited in its functionality and its use. The long-term meat items that Mountain House provides are absolutely great. And what I would suggest is don't go buy a giant case if you've never tried it. Buy maybe a can of the sausage and a can of the, the beef or what have you. And actually cook with it. Learn to use it. See if you like it. And then rotate through trying different varieties. And when you've discovered what you like, make that part of your long-term storage for accompanying your food. And occasionally use some of it in your cooking. Keep your body accustomed to it if you ever have to rely on it. And I think you'll find that it's very, very good. And one thing i got to point out, if you've ever gotten the, the, um, any of the catalogs or on the, web, on the websites that sell that stuff, including ready-made resources, um, you've probably seen a product called Yoder's Bacon. 
If you've ever thought about it but were reluctant to try it, let me tell you, Yoder's Bacon rocks. It's about 50 slices to a can. I think a can sells for a neighbor of 12 to 15 bucks. That's a good deal on bacon. How many slices of bacon come in a pack that you pay $9 for for a big pack at the grocery like the three-pound pack of bacon at the grocery store? Are there 50 in there? I don't think there are. And it's pre-cooked and canned and stores very well long-term. Yoder's bacon became a survival food because it stores well and it tastes good. But it wasn't originally a survival food. It was a food that people bought back in the days when there wasn't a lot of refrigeration yet because it tasted really good and it was a good way to keep cooked bacon around. And up in, in the, you know, the northeast where it's cool in the winter, that's fine. But in the summer, it was really hot and humid. And people didn't want to really fire their stoves up just to fry up some bacon in the morning. You know, fire up that coal stove or that wood stove to fry a few slices of bacon. So that's really where it started. And it's a great adjunct to add to your pantry as well. So what I'd like you to do today for me is just go through your own pantry. See how many of those items are already there. Those are the ones you start with. The ones that are already naturally in your pantry if you haven't really been storing food yet. Just buy a few extra of those this week at the grocery store. Start to try some different varieties of things, different varieties of soup, canned vegetables. Start to try cooking some things a little bit differently, using some canned fish or canned chicken or turkey or canned beef in your cooking. Experiment, but here's the big one. Have a toasted peanut butter jelly sandwich with a cold glass of milk for a quiet moment. I remember being a kid this weekend. I think it'll make your Monday a little bit better if you do that this weekend. And you know what? Then remember you're an adult. Go out and have a good cold beer this weekend with a friend as well, uh, or a nice margarita or a glass of wine. Or if you don't partake in adult beverages, go out somewhere this weekend. Take some time with some old friends or with some uh, close family members. Have a dinner, a glass of tea or something, and unwind and pull yourself out of everything that frustrates you because I think that will help you center yourself and more firmly resolve yourself to protect and take care of yourself and the people that you care about. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough. Or even if they Makes don't. You wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.